Hello and welcome back to our second episode of Two Kinky Women. I am your co-host, Midnight Lady, and my partner in crime is Mistress Gabrielle. Say hello. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us on our second episode. We're very excited today. Um, We'd like to let you know that if you have questions or any comments, we look forward to hearing them. And uh, all you need to do is send it to tkw at twokinkywomen.com. And that two is a numeric two, always a numeric two. And uh, if you'd like to join our email newsletter list, and we hope that you do, because if you do, you'll get your free downloadable beginner's guide to kink and anything else we happen to throw in at the moment. And uh, by doing that, again, send us to kinkywomen.com. Again, to numeric. There you go. Almost all topics are open for discussion with us. Really, nothing is off the table except for uh, crimes against children and animals. So I'm super excited about today's uh, topic. And what's your kink? So we, we mentioned in our last episode that kink is an umbrella term for all different types of what we call play. Uh, so that's what today's topic is going to be, all the different types of play. And we're not just talking about things like spanking or caning or flogging. We're talking about more broader categories, things like age play, splashing, sissies, ponies, furries and pups, consensual, non-consent, edge play, uh, suspension, role play, body mods, all of it discussed here right now today. So let's get started. Where should we begin? Well, let's get started with something that begins at the beginning of the alphabet, which is age play. Age play. Alrighty, what is it? Have you ever heard of the term littles? Yes, I'm aware of littles. Okay, so littles are essentially people who pretend. This brings us over to the arena of role play. Pretend to be children within their scene, okay? Some people don't like the idea. Some people think the idea is pretty horrifying. Other people love it. Again, let me be clear. We're talking about adults, who, for the purpose of role-playing within their scene activities, present as children, okay? Uh, usually, I would say under the age of 12. They can be as young as infants. They can be toddlers. They can be a kindergarten brat. They can be a fifth grader. Uh, there really is no particular limit on the age of uh, someone who wants to play age play. So we like to call those littles. And littles have, guess what, mommies and daddies. And that's how we go further into the idea of role play. Someone takes the role of the mommy, someone takes the role of the daddy. And as you can imagine, in dealing with uh, a real life situation, mommies, daddies, and children, there's a lot going on. There's a big dynamic. It can go from Um, having your quote-unquote children, your littles, on the floor in a semicircle coloring. Or they can be playing um, outside. Or they can be on um, bicycles, little tricycles, running around in tricycles. And they are also, needless to say, um, possibly going to get themselves punished by mommy or daddy. And that can be the thrill of the kink for people who like littles. There's a huge market for adult baby products. Huge market, uh, adult onesies and feedy jammies and uh, adult diapers and adult size cribs. Uh, So this is a very, very popular topic, very popular uh, shopping. Um, But I think it's looked down upon a lot because people see it as kind of like, well, I definitely don't want to be a kid again, and I definitely don't want to be eroticized 
as a kid. So that, I can definitely say that age play weirds me out. And I think it's important for me to tell you that. Um, because we're straight talk here. We don't sugarcoat anything. And we're certainly not going to blow smoke up your ass. We tell it how it is. I'm a little freaked out by age play. But that's just me. And that's okay. Because I don't have to watch it. I don't have to participate in it. If I see something of that nature, most likely kink events, things of that nature, I don't have to run screaming from the building. I just say, oh, that's nice, and move along. Find what I like. Find what my kink is. So I think age play is uh, very popular. And I think for me, and I'm in my mind, I'm an intellectual, and I was trying to understand what's the appeal what is the appeal? Why do they like to do it? And I think what I came up with is who doesn't like to be taken care of? And the pampering and the, oh, you got a boo-boo? Let me, let me hug and kiss it and make it better. Who doesn't want that kind of caring and that kind of, you know, love taking towards another human being? I mean... For me, I, in my mind, I think, okay, that maybe that's why they're doing it. Because a lot of times you don't get that growing up. And so you might be trying to get that now. And we parent, you know, they say we parent ourselves. Um, People but, like it. That is yeah. true. People really do like it. And it can go to the extreme as well. Uh, as you mentioned, um, uh, with adult diapers and things along those lines. Yeah. I mean, to me... Um, uh, or you or somebody else, you know, walking around um, uh, all day in a wet diaper with something you left when you were three years old and you don't want to do it again. But there are some people who think it's very, very erotic. Other people, um, it's been said, find a tremendous amount of um, uh, comfort in this role play because giving up your autonomy and becoming a child all over again with somebody uh, taking care of you is very attractive, as you as as you said. So no, it's not for everyone. None of these things are for yes. everyone. Um, uh, what's your kink is exactly that. What's your kink? And if you find somebody who's willing to share your kink, great. Mm. Uh, some people have um, uh, have gone to particular. Uh, meetings, you know, munches and things like that for just age play. Uh, people, um, uh, mommies or daddies will have tea parties and um, their children, the littles, will show up at the tea parties with uh, clutching their teddy bears or their mm-hmm. other stuffed animals and wearing appropriate clothing. And there you go. It's role play. There's no question about it. But um, it doesn't have to be your kink unless you get turned on by it. Yes. And as long as it's safe, sane, and consensual, go, go to at it. it. Yeah. Go find your next, right. uh, your next high and your Absolutely. next thrill. Absolutely. So let's move on to sure. splashing. Splosh. Okay. Splashing or splash. Now, you're probably thinking, like, what the heck is that? Because that, that's a weird word. <laughs> it's basically food play. Food play. Food play. Food. Now, what do you mean by food play? Well, <laughs> food play. I have seen at parties where they get those uh, kiddie pools and they fill it with jello or they fill it with chocolate pudding, like gallons and gallons of chocolate pudding. And then the person interested in that fetish, in that king, gets into the, into the, mini pool the little baby pool and covers himself like in a bath in pudding and just that's erotic for that person it's sexual for that person and they just want to stay in the pudding or they stay in the jello now there's a difference between that and say for example (laughs) oil uh oil wrestling or jello wrestling or pudding wrestling 
or something along those lines, which is uh, some sort of a uh, entertainment form, yes. which generally uh, presents two very, very good-looking women in uh, very skimpy bikinis uh, wrestling each other in a, uh, a baby pool full of, uh, that's more say, of maple a, syrup. I, I think that's more like a sport <laughs> than a kink. A kink, a kink to me represents some level of eroticism or some level of sexual energy. Right. It is in that. Right. In order for it to make it a kink. Right. You know, that's what makes it a kink is the fact that there is some level of sexual tension, sexual um, chemistry that has to do with that. That thing, that's, you know, um, if your fetish is women in tight sweaters how did you get that well when i was in fifth grade the teacher leaned over me and it made it what's called a sexual imprint on his love map so when that sort of thing happens then that becomes the kink that becomes your thing like oh my god every time i see a woman a busty woman in a sweater now i get hard so that's the key characteristic with kinks for me is the sexual component right Um, i'm not quite sure what it is about splosh uh that people are turned on by but they are there's no question about it it may go back to some sort of feeding issue or it just may be that it feels good i can imagine that it might um you know uh, warm um you know whatever Jello, um, pudding, maple syrup, whatever. Whipped cream. Whipped cream. I mean, you know, who, who, which one of us hasn't done a nine and a half weeks type of scene where we feed our, our blindfolded, submissive, you know, whipped cream or chocolate sauce or cherries or you know, like. Oh, I think I have to watch that movie again. <laughs> I don't remember any of that. Okay. Oh yeah, there's a whole big scene where he feeds uh-huh. her. Uh, he feeds her like fruit and all this uh-huh. stuff. I mean, I, I I've licked quite a lot of uh, whipped cream and. Uh... Yeah. See, that's the thing. It's a question of degree, also. I mean, how far chocolate do you want sauce. To get into? Yeah. How far you want to get into it can be a lot of fun to play around, and uh, essentially it's... that's what it is. It's fun playing around yes it yeah is. It so is. what would you choose what would what what's what's good for you what's on your list my uh my my next little what's your kink topic is uh sissies and cross dressing now are they the same are they one in the same well i think that some people could consider them the same because essentially sissies do cross dress uh sissies generally are men of any age uh and of any legal age of course who uh, wear uh, an outfit that um, uh, suggests to whoever is looking at that person at the time that they are, um, shall we say, forced into or desire to be put into a very feminine role. And uh, a man being um, not strong, more feminine, more feminine, uh, a man um, uh, being kind of um, uh, dressed in clothing that is feminine. These people are generally called sissies, but there's a whole subculture within the world of kink, which is about sissies. For example, it take a 60-year-old man who has a wardrobe full of um, little girl dresses mm. and wears those little girl dresses all the time. Um, inside and out. This man is retired. He can do whatever he wants to do uh, as long as he isn't stopped. He's also a very strong person, so if somebody, a powerful person, so if somebody came by and made a crack at him, which he uh, perhaps uh, would uh, accelerate into some sort of danger for him, he could defend himself. But generally speaking, sissy is just what that is, just what that sounds like, Mm. uh, a man who is feminized and becomes um, um, more like um, uh, a helpless woman as opposed to a male. Mm. However, not every sissy is helpless. 
some sissies like to appear as uh, French maids, wear a French maid mm. outfit. Some sissies like the little girl look. Some sissies like uh, the idea of um, wearing as much um, uh, female type stuff on their bodies, really heavy duty cross dressing, but their headspace is a little different from a man who wants to pass Mm -hmm. as a woman that we generally leave to the um the 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 name of cross-dressing so what's a cross-dresser and can women cross-dress as well sure they can women have been cross-dressing forever i mean i'm wearing pants right now and a polo shirt that uh 50 years ago i could have worn that as well um and uh, still been considered um uh, a female, not a cross-dresser. But when men do it, mm-hmm. when men wear women's clothing, we call them cross-dressing. There's different varieties of cross-dressers. Some cross-dressers wish very much to um, uh, pass as a member of the opposite sex. Women cross-dressers, I don't think, I know quite a few of them, they don't necessarily want to pass as men, but they definitely want to look butch. And they will do certain things like um, strap their chests, uh, wear a piece between their legs so it looks like they're packing, uh, fix their hair so that it looks uh, extremely uh, masculine. And uh, But they're not that generally into passing. They just like the idea of being butch, but they are cross-dressers. But there's a fine line, again, cross-dressing. Women can get away with a lot of cross-dressing and not be considered cross-dressers, whereas men, the minute a woman puts on a dress, mm. uh, the, you know, uh, the minute a man puts on a skirt and heels or, or, or nylons or puts on, you know, jewelry and a wig, that's a cross-dresser. So we have to distinguish also between cross-dressers and transsexuals as well. There's a big distinction between the two. Uh, generally speaking... Transsexuals wish to uh, go further than cross-dressing. It's something that they're going to live, whereas we find a lot of cross-dressers do it in secret or Mm -hmm. only do it when they go out to clubs. Many cross-dressers keep it a secret from their families. They're married men with wives and children, and they keep it a secret. Some don't. It depends how comfortable they are and what the relationship is with the spouse. Um, some people do it all the time. Some people only do it infrequently. Uh, there seems to be a lot less shame in being considered a cross-dresser today than mm. there used to be. Mm-hmm. There are more opportunities to cross-dress. There are more ways to um, uh, get yourself out there. Uh, as society tends to be right now, I think a little bit more accepting of the cross-dressing man, pr- probably because we're a little bit more accepting as a uh, as a society uh, in terms of transsexuality anyway but uh, it's an interesting concept you know what what is one and what is not the other but generally speaking it's a spectrum so much of mm. what it is that we do is along a spectrum my husband is a cross-dresser and on occasion, he will do, uh, he's also bi, as am I. So he has gone to gay men's events. Um, and he'll go to these gay men events where he he doesn't want to be 100% perceived as a female, but he likes to dress feminine, more feminine. And so always had this great, funny private joke between the two of us we are very open with each other i allow him tremendous freedoms we have multiple relationships we're poly we're open all these things so when he goes to these events and and he talks about his wife oh yeah my wife picked out this skirt for me did you like it and they're like your wife knows that you you dress and you and you're and you're and you're gay and you're this and you're that and they're all freaked out because they live in, in the closet yeah. because they can't be 
who they are with their right. spouses. And, and so whenever my husband texts me, he goes, yep, got another one. They were all, they love you, man. Because I allow him to be whoever he's going to be. Yeah. And that's kink. Kink is, right. who are you? Right. Who do right. you want to be? What floats your boat? Right. Go find it. Right. Yeah. Like I said, I think there's a lot more. There are support groups out there mm. for women who are married to cross-dressers. And uh, eventually, you know, uh, what happens is, is that somebody discovers somebody else's dresses in the back of the closet or in the trunk of the car or whatever yeah. the case may be. And uh, a lot of times it's no big deal. Uh, sometimes it is. And that's a personal thing and you have to work it out with your partner. I yes. suspect, however, that, like I said, I think society is changing to some degree. And I think that it's becoming a little bit more acceptable. Not commonplace, but somewhat more acceptable. Yes, you don't stare and, and, and ogle at someone. You're like, oh, okay. And and you go about your business. It's not the same as it used to be where you, if you saw someone, you'd be like, oh my God, look at that. Now it's like, oh, all right, you know, mm-hmm. and, you, and, and you just continue on with the rest of your day. Right. So I think that, that kink in general is becoming more commonplace and more acceptable. And these things that are in the umbrella of kink are also coming along for that acceptability ride right the other thing too that i wanted to mention about cross-dressing and sissies is that because for so long there was really no place for a quote-unquote uh cross-dresser to go Mm. i think uh the kink community was a natural outlet Mm -hmm. for the cross-dressing sensibility because Mm -hmm. we used to have a phrase, uh, you know, my kink's okay, your kink's okay. Mm -hmm. And essentially, I think um, that's where where a lot of the cross-dressers decided it was okay to dress, it was okay to do these things. But most of the cross-dressers I know, if at at this point in my life, I would say 99% of the cross-dressers I know are involved in the kink community. Yes, because it's an open forum where you're accepted. Right. That's kink. Right. Everybody's got a, a thing. Right. And and we're all accepting uh, of everybody's need to get their kink on in the way that makes them happy. Absolutely. So I would like to pick the next one. Please do. Okay. So I would like to discuss, let's talk about body modification. Body mods. Body mods. Do I have a feeling you have some experience in this arena? Just a little. Right. Um, (laughs) Tell us about it. Basically, what are body modifications? That's any time you change or modify your body. Tattoos, piercings, brands. I've seen branding. um, uh, Things that you can... Do in in the play. So, I've seen people have um, metal rods pierced through their skin. Uh, uh, I've seen piercings. You know, I have my navel pierced. Um, you can have ears. You can get your ears done, your nose done, the tongue, the vagina, the nipples. Not the vagina. The lips and the clitoris. Um Things of that nature. So you can have all those things pierced, and they could be very sexual. My girlfriend wanted me to hold her hand while she got her clitoris pierced. Well, she was not very happy after that because it hurt like a son of a bitch. And she was very unhappy for the rest of, like, you know. Um, so risk aware, you know, when you get your clitoris pierced it, it's gonna freaking hurt <laughs> I don't think she thought it was gonna hurt as much as it did um so make those choices though when you when you do that um uh, the body modifications ones that I have I also have four tattoos and for me tattooing is sexual in that there is a level of pain in tattooing you Anyone who tells you that tattoos don't hurt is lying. Tattoos hurt like a motherfucker. Sure they do. (laughs) 
because you're basically scarring the skin. You're putting the ink under several layers of skin. So it is very painful. But the thing that excites me about tattoos is that when it's done, you have this beautiful piece of artwork on your body for the rest of your life. No matter what happens to you, you walked through the fire, as I like to call it, walking through the fire. Um, and it represents times in my life, certain periods in my life. My latest tattoo is that of a phoenix. Uh, it's partially done. Um, and that's actually on my contract list is to complete my phoenix tattoo. And you say, well, why did you get a phoenix? I said, because I am a abuse survivor and I took myself out of that and raised myself up out of the ashes of that life. So the phoenix to me represents rebirth and fire and just living life on my own terms. Um, so those body modifications can really be very significant to you as remembrances of certain things in your life. So if you were at a scene, a, a kink weekend, and you got a brand, let's say a circle, triangle, whatever, whatever the shape is that you choose for the brand, every time you look at that, you're going to think, oh, that was the weekend I, I got collared to my master. That was my collaring submission, you know, act to him at that time. So you're going to remember that and it's going to mean something because it's symbolic to you. Oh, I got that piercing at this event. Oh, I did that. Oh, I got that one, that tattoo at that event or, you know, or um, there's also scarification. Scarification is definitely blood play. So you have to be very specific in where you can do these sorts of things. But scarification uh, is similar to tattooing, except it doesn't use ink. Scarification is actually cutting the same spot, let it heal, you cut it again, you let it heal, you cut it again, you let it heal. And every time you cut it, it, it creates a scar. That's why it's called scarification. So a lot of people have these whole pictures in various parts of their body that turn into from the scar, you know, from the scarring. Um, so again, these, these things that we're discussing, these are varsity level kinks. These are your next level. I would not do scarification if you just met this guy. You know, of course, the, you know, these are next level varsity level kink that you have to know who you're dealing with. You have to see work that he's done on other people. What kind of person is he? Uh, you know, things, safety. We're always all talking about safety. So these body mods are definitely something that you have to plan and think about and research um, it's not, you just show up one day and decide, I, I want to get a piercing in my, you know, clitoris, you know, <laughs> or if you're a man getting a Prince Albert. Oh, yes. Right. Either way, you know, men too, men get tattoos and all, all of that stuff too. Mm -hmm. And it can be something as simple as, uh, your owner's initials, uh, on some part of your body. Yes. And that can be very nice. And, uh, you know, uh, that that can do the trick. It does not have to be elaborate. something. Is a, exactly. No, is it elaborate. doesn't. And it doesn't have to be at all. This is not something that anybody has to do. Again, it's, it's you choose your kink. Me, I love tattoos. I, I have several. So I like the way they look at my body. I like the experience, painful as it is. It's... While I'm doing it, while I'm experiencing this next level pain, I'm saying to myself, I'm doing this because it represents something to me. I'm, I'm almost eroticized by that pain. Like, I'm doing this for my master. I'm doing this because I want to do it, but I'm also doing it because he likes 
the tattoos on me. And the same goes for piercings. And piercings. And, and brandings. And brandings. Right. And scarification. Right. You know, the fact that my dominant loves whipping me right on the tattoo because it's sensitive. That skin now is forever sensitive. So that just ups the pain level just ever so slightly. So it's like, oh, he's whipping my tattoo. And that to me is like the next level of enjoyment for me. Now these body modifications, this is not a new kind of a thing. I mean, people have been doing body modification ever since there have been people. Yes. I mean, we know this. We know this from... um, uh, all the kinds of uh, anthropological evidence that there is. This has always been a thing that people have done. But in the scene, it's something that we do that has some sort of erotic um, or or interpersonal um, uh, significance yes. between you and your master or your master and you or matching tattoos or whatever the case may be or to show ownership a mm-hmm. lot of the time as yep. well. You can take it far. When we take things like this far, we call it edge play. And there are certain things that you can do in the modification world, which is considered uh, extreme. Yeah. And uh, certain people do that. There um, uh, was um, a fellow who passed away, I think, just a couple of years ago. He was extremely, extremely well-known throughout the scene internationally. And um, he was really remarkable. His whole life was about body modification. And... um, uh, what we'll do is we'll throw his name out there in our uh, infographic so that you can look him up yourself and see the kinds of things this fella did. And uh, it was quite amazing. It really, really was. What's next? Okay, let's do So we've done quite a few things. So let's talk, let's change it a little bit, and let's talk about ponies, pups, and furries. Ponies, Pups and, and furries. furries. Okay. Well, interesting. When we talk about role play in the scene, a lot of it is role play. There's just yes. no question about it. We talked about the, uh, the, the, you know, the sissies. We talked about uh, the littles, and uh, now we're going to talk about ponies, pups, and furries. Some people might describe uh, something like a furry, or even a pup. Uh, as um, what we call a fetish. I'm not quite sure it is traditionally considered a fetish because a fetish is an activity that uh, one must engage in in order to become erotically charged. In other words, without that fetish, you aren't going anywhere. It's not happening. It ain't going up. So to make a long story short, Is pony play, pup play, and furries a fetish? Well, I guess it's up to the individual to determine whether or not that really is a fetish. But in the meantime, so ponies. What do ponies do? Oh, my God, I love ponies. They are men or women. I've seen women ponies, gorgeous women ponies, uh, that take on the persona of a show pony for instance, maybe a show pony or a uh, like a Clydesdale type war horse that will pull carriages. Um, I, and and I, I can't even do it justice even in describing it, the having four human ponies with ponytail butt plugs coming out of their ass and hoofs on their feet, hoofs on their hands, bridles in the mouth, with and they look like human horses they do and they're pulling this cart with this gorgeous woman with the whip you know cracking the whip and these and they're trotting along and it's just the most astounding amazing thing i think i've ever seen in my entire life and the sound of the hooves and the sound of the hooves clip clop clip clop on the on the concrete convention mesmerizing floor. mesmerizing and it, it's it's and they truly take on the persona of a horse like if you go up to one you can pet their mane you can rub their noses you you know they give them an apple give them an apple they're whinnying they're stamping their feet or hoofs 
you know, their tails are switching back and forth. Um, and they have, for all intents and purposes, they have stalls in, in shows that have been very big with pony play. There's actually stalls set up with hay and and chains and you bring your pony in and you where would this be like at a big event oh yeah you would have to be a big kink event Uh, unless there's someone uh within the scene whose thing is pony play yes and she or he has actually set up uh a a grazing area and stalls a barn a barn barn for all intents and purposes yes yeah and they have pony shows where if you're a show pony they'll come out and they'll whinny and trot and prance and dance and do the do all the things and to music, and it's truly, it, it's one of the. They'll I, go through a dressage routine. They will actually go I through a dressage to, routine. It's amazing. I have to. I'm going to say this, and I'm because we're straight. We're straight shooters here. Yeah. It's what I call the train wreck. It, for me, for me, it's it's like the train wreck. You 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 don't want to look, but you can't look away, and it just fascinates me to no end to watch. They are so immersed in it. They are so immersed, and they are so stunningly gorgeous. And it's not enough to have the pony; you actually have the trainer. Yeah, so you have a trainer, yes, and then you have course. a rider. Okay, and the pony can be a shoulder pony, which means that the the shoulder pony will take uh, passengers, okay, riders on their shoulders and uh, walk them around, okay, or even prance around a little bit depending upon the weight that is on their shoulders. Or they can be an all fours pony, which means that they will actually take people on their backs as they're down on all fours. But probably the most impressive is the one you described. The that's the first event I ever went to over, uh, I think it was like 23 years ago, 24 years ago, and saw ponies for the first time. And I was just, I was, I was, uh, I was gobsmacked, frankly. That's I the, mean, that's it's, it's one of those it. things. It's just one of those things yeah. that you just have to see. And, yeah. and, and that's something you're going to learn with us is your weird shit-a-meter. <laughs> your weird centimeter is going to go off a lot in the scene and you just get used to it you know um but i have to make the parallel between the ponies the pups and the furries they're all animals so when we if we switch and we talk about pups and furries cats dogs those sorts of things and there's dog paraphernalia as well there's Dog beaks or dog noses. I've seen, you know, masks and things where they put them over the face with the dog, uh, the dog beak. I mean, the dog nose. And they play with uh, a ball in the corner. You know, you throw them the bone and they go and they chase and they bring the bones back. So it's just this complete immersion similar to Little's in the role, in the in the play, and that you can't even have a conversation with them using words anymore because they are so into the headspace. So we'll get into headspace in a little bit when we speak about some edge play. The headspace is you couldn't even have a conversation with words if you wanted with them because they are not there in that headspace as an adult who can have verbal conversation. They're dogs. You want their attention? Go give them a biscuit. You know? <laughs> it's so true. Throw the ball and they'll go get it and they'll bring it back. And at big events, you can also have a dog show. Yes, dog you know? show. Best and in show. They have cats, dogs. That's right. <laughs> various. Absolutely. Um, and best in show is judged again on deportment. And um, uh, all the other things that a dog would be uh, running with, you know, with the tail yeah, up, and champion the, dog would be would be judged on. Check, That's check exactly the balls. The same thing. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, furries can be can 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 uh, uh, range over a spectrum as well. There are people who like to um, uh, within the scene who like to dress head to toe in a furry costume. Yeah. And, uh, for example, a big teddy bear or a rooster or a... Um... Well, you know, you need a good cock. 
<laughs> Sorry, I did. Uh, and uh, any other kind of uh, animal that you can think of. I mean, I have seen quite a few um, that are around. I see a lot of cats. Um, I see, but generally speaking, as a furry, they would rather be like a tiger or a lion as opposed mm. to just a little house cat. And yeah. uh, these people, um, you you will see them. You know, there's um, stuff on cable TV today uh, where furries are featured. Uh, they are part of the scene. And uh, it's interesting to me uh, to see furries because, again, it's a role play adventure. And they will take on the persona, even in the elevator going to a, a class or a demo at an event. They will take on the persona of that particular animal that they are uh, channeling. And that channeling seems like a really good word to use because that's how they are acting. They really are channeling the um, the energy, the demeanor, and uh, even the look of a particular animal. So why these people involved in the scene? Why the scene? Why the world of kink? Why is this considered kink? Um, Again, I'm going to say it's because the kink community has been welcoming mm -hmm. and the kink community has been accepting of um, uh, things that are not the norm uh, on the outside. And uh, dressing up has always been a kink thing. Um, you know, wearing costumes has always been a kink thing. Role play has always been a kink thing. So it seems to be a natural uh, fit. natural fit. Yeah, it really, really does. Um, there can be, um, I guess, um, uh, pony play that might be uh, uh, forced or animal play that might be forced. But essentially, um, it's uh, in, to my way of looking at it and what I've seen in my experience is it's too playful mm. to be forced. And what it needs is a buy-in by the person who is appropriating the uh, animal concept i think now you're talking about forced when you say forced where you know you have to imagine this is a podcast i'm doing the air quotes forced let's discuss a little bit about consensual non-consent i think that that topic really fits in with the forced and we're like okay so what is consensual non-consent this topic has always fascinated me too uh, because we always say consent consent is king get your consent negotiate what you want what you don't want consent well what is consensual non-consent now granted this is not varsity level king these are all very very advanced things that we wanted to make you aware of even in the second episode we, we want you to know they're out there so we want you to know there's 31 flavors of ice cream so you want to try different things so we want to just let you know what it's out there so consensual non-consent means you have a partner that you're in a long-term relationship with you have a deep bond they know you you know them you trust them they trust you and you are abdicating your right to consent. So you are consenting to allow for this other person to make decisions for you in terms of your kink, in terms of what you do. So you're, but that doesn't make any sense. That's like a huge dichotomy. We're supposed to always get consent. And now you're telling me that, that, that I can consent to not getting consent? Yes. Because when you are with someone for a long period of time, you consent to be what they want you to be. You can, that's where your consent is. You consent to allow them to make decisions for you. So, for an example, you could say um, you're submissive, you're bottom, submissive actually, I wouldn't say bottom. Bottom is too new of a relationship submissive or your slave i'm terrified of electric play i don't want to do it whatsoever. i don't want to do it meanwhile your master or your dominant thinks you would love it if you gave it a chance but you, you if you do consensual non-consent your top your dominant or your master or mistress either way 
can say, well, I'm going to make that choice for you. I think you should try it. We're going to try it. Now, he's not going to, you know, shock every part of her body. He's going to put his her finger out. And he's going to do the, the electric on the finger. And then if that's like, okay, then you can switch to like the arm or the thigh or, you know, slow. She did not consent to play with electric play, but he made that decision for her because she gave him that consensual non-consent. So that is a very, you know, that's a, that's very varsity level kink right there. But it fascinates me though, because it's such a dichotomy to what we preach. Safe, sane, and consensual. Safe, sane, and consensual. And then to give someone else consent to make decisions for you is like such a huge, always an interesting dichotomy to me. It really is. And there's a lot of different kinds of things that you can include in consensual non-consent, pushing limits, all Mm -hmm. sorts of limits that you have discussed with your partner. And you may not um, uh, on your own be ready to say when you're negotiating a scene, well, I'm ready to try that kind of stuff, but your partner is going to have you do it because you've agreed to consensual non-consent or um, CNC. There's a lot of stuff being written about consensual uh, non-consent lately. But primarily what I see it uh, as is what you des- what you described, ML, which is people who have been together for a while and really know each other, mm-hmm. yeah. okay, and are willing to go that extra mile because they know uh, and they can read each other very well. Uh, they know when they've gone too far. They can push limits, but they're not going to overtake uh, all of those limits. Only the ones that are uh, obviously safe and to be able to do. It's one of the things about doing um, uh, this kind of play. Uh, this is stuff, again, varsity level, what we call varsity level kink. And we're telling you about it. Uh, We're explaining it because you're going to see it. And if you go into uh, a play party or particularly a big event, you're going to see it. And you're going to see it demonstrated in uh, presentations as well. And it's good to know a little bit about these kinds of things before you get involved with it. There are, um, like I said, with consensual non-consent, a lot of things you would not necessarily do with somebody you just met. But There are a couple of things you can do, which we can call edge play and um, um, quote unquote forced, my little air quotes up here, forced, (laughs) forced kink, where we we push some limits. And this is not necessarily something as we've done with somebody you know for five years. And the example I'll give of something like that is, for example, forced cross-dressing. And what is forced cross-dressing? Well, that's somebody who uh, is a big, uh, perhaps macho man and uh, does not want to show up uh, at a play party in um, uh, stockings. And a tutu. And a tutu, exactly. But we know, because uh, we've talked about it and we've (laughs) negotiated it, and when he said, oh, man, I hate the idea of being caught out in the open, uh, wearing a woman's underwear or something, but wow, I bet you that would really be exciting. Okay. Ding, 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 ding. I'll buy in <laughs> on that one, right? So yeah, there are, right, there are some things that, you know, that you can do with consensual non-consult. One of them, uh, again, this is stuff that has to be negotiated ahead of time. There's no question about it. And uh, not only does it have to be negotiated uh, ahead of time, you kind of have to stay on the script. And that Mm. is kidnapping and ravishment. And I use the word ravishment for um, uh, in place of a different word because I like the word ravishment and so does ML. So kidnapping and ravishment. That's definitely consensual non-consent. You may have had a conversation two months ago about the fact that, oh man, if I was ever someplace where they'd offer kidnapping, would you arrange to have me kidnapped so I don't know anything about it? Absolutely. Here we are at the big event and there's a kidnapping crew on the prowl. And um, that's you. That's them. 
you're it. And they're going to get you. And then now, after that, anything can happen. You have to set that up with the event organizers ahead of time. Absolutely. All of this is all pre-negotiated. Right. The, the submissives or slash slave may not even know the people who are going to kidnap that person. Uh, they, that might be part of their fantasy. That might be part to not know them, to, for them to be virtual, quote-unquote, strangers. But these aren't really strangers. These are people that the top, the dominant or the master knows and trusts to safeguard his submissive, safeguard his slave, ensure that the fantasy is played out in a way that is safe, sane, and consensual. Because she did consent. She said, I would like this to happen. Just because it didn't happen two months ago and it took two months to happen, she wanted it. They discussed it. What would that look like for you? This is what it would look like for me. For me, it was pirates. You know, I have pirates. What can I tell you? Um, <laughs> but for her, it might be bank robbers. It might be doctors. It might be lawyers. You know, it could be anything. Whoever, you know. That's right. It's role play. Whatever floats her boat. I like pirates, you know. So, do you, do you hear that there's a lot of role play that goes on in all this different type of kink oh, play? Absolutely, tremendous. Absolutely. So it's like it's a all. bunch of adults, you know, getting uh, the opportunity to uh, to do all the kinds of things that uh, they've only you know fantasized about doing in a safe environment. And you can even go so far with these role plays. To do interrogation scenes. Interrogation. Oh, my all-time favorite. Here is where, again, boundaries are pushed. I've seen Nazi interrogations. Um, Again, those I left the room for because they were very objectionable to me. Um, But I didn't make a big stink about it. I just left the area because that's what you do as an adult involved in this if it's not your kink, you don't have to watch it. You don't have to participate. You don't have to have a huff over it. You just go find your kink somewhere else and do something else. Edge you, play is edge play. That's that's the you thing. You know, it's I've seen uh, Japanese. Right. Um, I you know, I've seen real uh, the real concept of masters know. and slaves. Uh, the old South. Yeah. I mean, that's really, really, really difficult like, to edgy, watch. Edgy. But obviously, there are some people who are going to get off on it. They really yes, are. Yes. And uh, our mantra, uh, which is, you know, my kink is okay, your kink, your kink is, is okay, mm-hmm. as long as it's safe, sane, and consensual, well, there you go. So the thing is, this role play takes yep. a lot of different ways uh, and yeah. views and... 31 flavors. And if we really wanted to to discuss this role-playing in the edge play, you have what I like to affectionately call the mind fuck. Right. You can actually really mess someone up in their mind, emotionally, uh, by uh, sensory deprivation, blindfolding them or something, and making them believe... Something is going on that is not actually going on. And I saw someone do a scene where they were saying that they were going to um, douse them in, like, what, what did he say? It was like spiders or mice or rats or something. So, something. Something hairy and squirrely. And... They blindfold, and then he says, oh, I'm bringing them in now. And says, I'm going to put your hands in the containers that the rats and the rats. It was a whole thing. They obviously negotiated that fear of squirrely rats and mice and stuff. And what they did was they didn't actually stick his hands in buckets full of rats and mice. They had gotten fake furry ones and and... They had somehow rigged them to be able to move them inside. And he believed that, that this, was, this is where I walked out. This is where I left because I didn't see the rest of the scene. Um, but the guy truly believed that, you know, there was rats and mice and, and they were going to eat his hands. So this, like he said, 
he had to have negotiated absolutely that. he had to have because absolutely. it was too specific right so he asked for that he consented to that and he got it right in spades and um, it was fabulous i'm sure for him for and him and, and the people who were involved right. in it i did a fabulous interrogation one time it was my my absolute favorite did it with a, another another person the two of us topped this gentleman and it was just really it was magnificent and uh, it, everything about it was terrific and including the music uh, we did this uh, quite a few years ago but he was uh, a heavy-duty uh, classical music freak this fellow and he was a very very nice man but kinky as all hell and what we did to him is we we put earphones on him and played Yanni New Age Yanni music throughout a two and a half hour interrogation. Well, by the end of it, we had him eating out of our hands, literally. You know, it was quite amazing. It really was. So these I, kinds of things are so much fun. Oh, I know, I know. And and one of the favorite things that I love to do with a uh, 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 submissive or, or a slave, I've had slaves in the past. My okay, so you want to spank them, and and they like that. But then I like to do what I call a little bit of a, you really give them a good couple of whacks, like hard ones, like really pushing the boundaries on pain. And then you give them a, a minute to a break and you say, okay, you remember how bad that felt? Yeah. What was that? What was that? It was like a five. Oh, that was a five. That was awful. It was awful. It was, I can't, you know, and I'll say, well, I'm going to give you twice that. I'm going to give you twice that, and you're going to like it, and you're going to say, yes, mistress, I want another. You know, just listening to this is a turn-on, seriously. <laughs> right? So I had him, like, he was like, no, mistress, please, no, no, I can't do it, I can't do it, no, no, no. I said, here it comes, and then I tapped him. <laughs> I, t- I literally just tapped him, like, That's all barely. That was all it took, yeah. and he was... He was done. Right. Like, he was done. That that was, wow. and I didn't even, like, I didn't hurt him. I didn't touch him. I tapped him. And he was blubbering at that point. Because he had built up in his mind, because I gave him the suggestion of what I was going to do. And he believed it and went and, and ran even farther than I had anticipated he was going right. to run with right. that. What's so, done? That's why I decided in that moment that he was done. Right. Because he had gone even farther than I had anticipated him going. Listen, and I didn't want to go any farther. Right. And so you stopped it. That was yes. enough. And you read him right. And that was it. That was enough. Um, there are people who take it to an extreme. I mean, they're, they're, you're doing interrogation. Well, then you have to do waterboarding. No, thank you. I'm not going to do waterboarding. It's totally unnecessary uh, for my interrogation. And then is our next topic for next week, our, our next month, excuse me. Our topic for next month is S&M versus abuse. Right. When, when, right. Is it, when does it cross right. the line? Right. So that's definitely something that we will be discussing next month in right. greater detail. Right. And I think we're going to wrap up this episode. That's a good idea because we've been talking almost an hour about what's your kink. And guess what? We have hardly scratched the surface. surface. We have all sorts of good ones. We have service. We have verbal abuse and humiliation. We have pickup play. We got a slew of others, but there's always tomorrow, or I should say next month. Next month. Or the month after that, right? So I think in, in closing, we'd like to say we hope that we have given you some ideas for things you might want to research. On, like I said, Fat Life is a great resource to find uh, groups of whatever you're into, whatever your stick is, whatever your kink is. Um, it's like, ooh, that role play sounds good. Or, ooh, the kidnapping ravishment is interesting. Oh, the, I want to know about the, what's that ponies? What's that thing about the ponies again? I want to look about that. So you can have all of that information. And, of course, as always, there's going to be an infographic with different and even more explanations than this. So things you can think about. And you can always find us on our home 
page for the podcast at two kinky women podcast.com. That's numeric two kinky women podcast.com. Read our blog and download the free infographic, which is available every month. We love comments and questions. Maybe and we'll take a question of yours yeah. and talk about it on our podcast. Absolutely. Maybe we'll even take some phone calls. Who knows? Yes, it's we possible, are. Right? And, and we're going to be having special guests who are knowledgeable and learned in the things that we want to learn about and talk about. And the email uh, the for the questions in the comments, that's TKWT is in Tom, K's in Kite, W is in White. TKW at twokinkywomen.com. That's the numeric two, of course. And we can't wait to hear from you. We will talk to you again next month. We are Two Kinky Women. Yes, we are. (laughs) And we want you to be kinky too. Thanks for listening. It's been a blast. Talk to you next month.